that's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you holding up? Um, you know, and you know it was cold. I like checking with the weather over there because it feels like such a distant planet from South Louisiana to North Texas. It was, it was cold. Yeah, dude, that's an understatement. Um, <laughs> bro, it was like 10 degrees for like three days, which is nuts. I remember every time you saw like 20 degrees once, you were like, oh, that's crazy. And, and like we we I think I think they said we had at least for the DFW, a lot of the DFW news stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, today was the first time in 89 hours that we got over freezing, oh my which is God. nuts. Yeah, I think it's I think it's over. I think it's just over freezing now. Uh, it's 44. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's insane. 89 straight hours of below <laughs> freezing temperatures, and you felt it. Um, you know, it was cool waking up. Uh, you know, we had snow. I think it was Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sunday night. So that was cool um a lot of things your your old area then that uh, that got covered that was, yeah. i saw a lot of videos of like white everywhere which is really cool yeah. um so yeah we're we're thawing out now um not as cold we're supposed to i guess get one more like i don't know it's not a freeze but one more dip into pretty cold temperatures and then it's supposed to get back up to decent livable conditions next week so so would you or would you not go to a football game in so oh, dude those, those people in kansas city and buffalo are psychos absolutely not look uh, so i held i did some i did some i organized uh for mutual aid out here and so on sunday we did a lot of distribution of like you know camping equipment and like yeah. you know firewood and all that stuff a lot of people um and that that was that was a lot like that was a lot. and i was pretty bundled up had three layers on had a hat scarf gloves all that stuff and I was like, yeah, no, I, I, but that was about three, two, three hours. And I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. And I was like in and out of the car. So I like had access yeah. to like heating. I could not do those people Sheesh. in Kansas city are insane. The people in Buffalo were even crazier. Cause they were like, they, I saw people like shirtless out there trying to like, yeah. cause they were helping shovel the snow too. Yep. And like, yep. first of all, Buffalo chart only 20 bucks an hour. Are you kidding me? You, you kidding me? Like. That was dumb. Uh, pay for a sweet. Give me a sweet, and then I'll then I'll think Give about me it. A sweet. Give me a sweet, and then I'll think about sweet. it. You know. Yeah. Um, Twenty bucks an hour, and then like what they they said like complimentary food or whatever. That was dumb. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm not. Uh, the other the thing I was mad about was that I was thinking about going to some games this weekend, this past mm-hmm. weekend, and I couldn't go. Um, this weekend that'll change, but but I was like, dang, I'm kind of, I don't want to drive anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I wouldn't want to do that. It, it hit below twenty degrees for like two hours here, and then it's it stayed. <laughs> it was like, oh, that was weird. And shut yeah, up. I was like, I was, I was, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Louisiana said that's that's enough of that. <laughs> um, all right, uh, a good amount of basketball to talk about here. I'll let you pick where we start because I have like four or five things written down, but I don't. Okay. Nothing jumps out to me as like the clear cut thing at this moment. Okay. Unless, what do you think? Um, I mean, we can start. 
honestly, let's start with Texas. Okay. Because you know they're kind of a they're kind of a um, they're kind of a little removed. Uh, as I'm being interrupted right now, but is she about to come in? The, no, she can come in anyway. Whatever. She was like looking at me. Through, Mallory was looking through the the window, uh, seeing if she can come. <laughs> Mallory, in come on in. <laughs> I was like, you come on in anyway. Um, uh, Texas men. Oh, so Texas. So yeah, this we're a little bit removed um, from the from the loss losses, yeah. I guess. Um, West Virginia was the most recent one on Saturday, and. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Um, anyway, so West Virginia was the most recent one on Saturday, and that was the one that kind of had people a little nervous, right? Because all of a sudden they lose to Tech uh, by double digits, and you barely beat Cincinnati on the buzzer beater from Max Amos, and then you lose to uh, West Virginia. West Virginia, yeah. A West Virginia team that, by the way, lost to Houston by how much was this? It was at one point it was up to forty. To 55. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I think rightfully so, people were looking at Roddy Terry. It's like, what's uh what's going on here? <laughs> what's what's happening? You got Dylan DeSue back, right? Um, Caden Shedrick's battling injury, but he's you know, he's still he's still a very fairly healthy roster. Yeah. What's going on? And yeah, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the fact that this team's probably not a tournament team a year after making the Elite Eight? <laughs> Whew. man not a tournament I, I the crazy thing is i i texted you that and it's like you look through it lost to texas tech at home mm-hmm. that's not good uh right. across college every single year we do this the home the home away splits for every team in the country is mm-hmm. drastic right it feels like home court is worth like six points so for you to lose by 11 points to texas tech at home is significant um, you get the road win over Cincinnati, which was the biggest win of their season by far. Before that, their only top 150 win was over uh, LSU. So right. you needed that win. But then you lose to West Virginia. And frankly, West Virginia is the, the team in the conference, them in Oklahoma State right now, they are the teams in the conference that you need to beat mm-hmm. because there are no other guaranteed wins in this conference. And you lose to West Virginia. And now... I go into this, recording this on Wednesday. Tonight, they play UCF at home. Must win. And it is a absolute must win because if they lose their next four games, or next five, six games. Well, I was going to say, before you get before you rattle them off, uh, we mentioned the Fran Fraschilla tweet where he mentioned the strength of schedule, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if you saw that tweet. I think you might, you might have showed it to me. Uh, he mentioned the top – so he, he ranked the, the teams in terms of strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. The top 14 of these top 16 are the Big 12. Yep. 14 of the top 16. And number two is Texas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Baylor has the hardest strength of schedule remaining. Um, and Texas has a is, 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 is second right there. Um I think as of this tweet was on the 15th, which was Monday. We're recording on Wednesday. Uh, as of that time, and again, we'll talk about this game in a bit, Baylor had a 16% chance to win the conference, right? Um, Texas has, and it's gone lower, probably, minus 0.1% chance to even win the conference, right? They're done. They're not winning the regular season. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, now we can. I mean, again, yeah. So go read off the schedule that they have after tonight. After tonight's game against UCF, which is a must-win, they have home against Baylor at Oklahoma at BYU, home against Houston, at TCU, and home against Iowa State. Oh, my God. If they do not win this game. They're not going to be favored in any of those games. Heck, even if they win this game, I don't know if there's a game here they'll be favored in besides, like, it's one that has to be a home game, right? hasn't favored in none of those games. Really? The Baylor game, maybe? Ken does not have them favored in. They're not favored until February 10th against West Virginia. Yeah. After tonight. Yeah. So – this is a must win, and then you have to really, really pick things up because if not, it gets ugly really quickly. And we're talking about that's a, that's 10 games because I named the next six. So if they win, even if they win this game to get to two and two, best case scenario ish is what five and five. And I don't even know if, like, does this team win three of the next six games? Baylor, yeah. like, what they beat Oklahoma and BYU both on the road. That doesn't seem likely. I think I think this team. I'm gonna put this team. I think they get two wins from this, right? I think they can pull out wins against Oklahoma. I think they can pull out either a BYU or an Iowa State. Here's the problem. BYU. I think BYU's been shaky in conference, right? Um, And I think Iowa State is is again that they've they've looked really good, but they're still. I think they got blown out by BYU actually yesterday. so like again, those are the those are the gettable yeah. ones. Yeah. Right. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what is what is the issue with this team? Because they have Dylan DeSue back, right? That was one of the issues early. He was like, Oh, what's what's the status of him? They got their big back. He put up a great game. Uh, what was the game that he showed out in? Um Ooh, Cincinnati. DeSue? Wasn't it? DeSue, uh, yeah, Cincinnati. Um, so yeah, DeSue, they had him back. But I mean, Abemus has been fine fine i think tyrese hunter's regressed significantly um, i think brock cunningham's still playing too much mm-hmm. and the problem is not to pick on him the problem is that i think we talked about this a little bit before the problem is he fits a chris beard team right because that team's gonna say okay we're not we're gonna be very very ugly on offense it's gonna be very methodical you know you're not gonna have the best scores on the on the court but everybody's gonna know how to defend right Maybe we have one guy who's kind of a defensive liability. And so he fits on that team, whether he starts or comes off the bench or whatever. When you take that philosophy away and you have guys who aren't as good at defenders, right? Max Amos, um, um, I'm trying to think, Caden Shedrick, Dylan DeSue, not necessarily quick defenders. And, and, you know, there's a lot more offensive uh, capabilities there, but just not good defenders. He sticks out like a sore thumb because he's not an offensively gifted player. That's not what he's there for. I think there is, again, we've made we've made fun of the, his role and how he plays a little too much. There's a role for him on every team, contender yep. to whatever. There's a role yep. for that kind of guy. He averages five and five and three, right? That's a that's a basketball player. Um, but he there's no role on this team right now for him, or at least not what they need for him. If they had more defenders, yeah, sure. Then there's a line to be throw out there where they just lock the game down, right? And yep. they have he's a to me he's a finisher. Right, he's a guy that you put in. We have a ten-point lead, five minutes to go. Brock Cunningham is in the game. We're gonna make sure that they don't score, and this this lead stays the lead. The problem is he's starting. <laughs> he's playing a lot for this team, and they don't need when nobody's defending well. He sticks out like a sore thumb because he's the only one defending. <laughs> yeah, 
they're currently through three games, and some teams have played four. Uh, they're 11th in the conference in defensive rating on Ken Palm. Uh, but I, I think perhaps even more worrisome, because we know what the defense, I mean, this isn't acceptable to be 11th in defense, right. uh, but there's a good chance they do finish like outside the top half of the league defensively because look who you're mm-hmm. going against. Sure, um, sure. To me, you had 22 turnovers against West Virginia, though. Yeah. 22 turnovers against West Virginia. They're 13th in the conference in turnover percentage, like almost dead last. So this has become more so than just a, oh, you know, they're not a great defensive team. Rodney Terry's got to get the offense going, and while they're not shooting a bad percentage, they're just turning the ball over a ton right now. Yeah, and also, I mean, their backcourt, I mean, that's a lot of minutes for Amos and Hunter, right? Last year, they had had Carr, they had Sergio Barry Rice, they had guys, even Arturo Morris played, you know, they had guys contributing. They have no depth in the backcourt. I think Dylan Mitchell's kind of – He's played fine, but he hasn't been like last year when when Dylan Mitchell announced he was coming back. It was like boom, they got Dylan Mitchell coming back, right? Because we kind of, at least me, I expected him to take this big step forward, and he's been better, right? He's played more minutes. His shooting percentage is fine. Like he's put, but there hasn't been that like authoritative, you know, like like jump that I would have hoped to see. Yeah, it's been a lot of Max Abmus and a lot of Dylan Sue since he's come back, and early on it was a lot of Caden Shedrick, and I think Caden Shedrick's fine. But like he's not somebody who, yeah, I don't know. He's not somebody the offense should have been based around, which is what it was early on. Okay, I have one more thing. Last thing before we yeah, could we uh, get off this? But um, yeah, yeah. Ron Holland and AJ Johnson were on, were mm. committed to this team. Good point. You take yeah. them off and you replace them with uh, Kendall Weaver and, well, not a direct replacement, uh, Zarek Onyema. Like those were the Two for two, basically, uh, mm-hmm. to a degree. And if, if Theo Horton as well came in. Okay, Theo Horton, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I figured it wasn't exactty that because obviously they're but they, they, yeah, they brought in a couple guys. It was kind of a, a yeah. substitution by committee. Yeah, brought in some transfers. And I think Shedrick as well. Shedrick was also if you, uh, transfer. Yeah. If you just give me one of those two, yeah, Ron Holland or AJ Johnson, oh, I yeah. think we're looking very differently at this team. And that's what this that's the thing. Rodney Terry needs the talent. Mm-hmm. And that's not a really a disrespectful thing to say because that's kind of who he is. That's what you know. That's what he does is he acquires the talent. We've mm-hmm. said that before. I'm over there watching Jerome Tang at Kansas State, mm-hmm. and yeah, we'll talk about him I, a bit. <laughs> I don't think that team is super talented. The one that he has at Kansas compared to last year's team, right? Tomlin's sure. not. I thought, there. yeah, last year's Kansas State team was more talented than this year's. Yes, sure. I don't think this year's team is nearly as talented. Right, and yet they're three and one. And he's kind of transformed them into being the best defense in the conference right now. They are first in the co- in the conference in defensive rating. That is a coach that can do more with less. Rodney Terry, to me, is not a coach that can do more with less. He has to have the adequate amount, and then mm-hmm. he will, you know, he can produce some results. He got to the Elite Eight last year. He needs it. You can't lose AJ Johnson, Ron Holland like like that because they're, they're he's not going to be able to replace. It. He's not going to be able to build like a defensive identity like Jerome Tang can or Scott Drew can or Grant McCaslin can. Mm-hmm. He's not those coaches. So I, I just look back on that and think that is a that was a massive deal. Yeah. Last thing on this, people a lot of people are like obviously we were skeptical about the hire last year because of that because we knew about him from UTEP and things like that. His kind of shortcomings. There are some people who are kind of now like, oh, they got to get rid of him. Here's why I don't think it'll happen this year. One, it's 
first year, I don't think they'll do that to him, yeah. right? Two, right now, Texas has the number six recruiting class in the country. He, again, he's a talent acquisition guy. He is a player relationship guy. Trey Johnson, the top guard in this country, Cam Scott, and then Nick Cody uh, from Tech, from, from Carrollton Newman-Smith. That's he's going to look at that and say, let me get my guys right. And we'll run this back. Whoever, you know, whoever comes back from this team. And then, then will be, I think they're worried right now that if they let go of Roddy Terry, Trey Johnson's back on the market. Baylor was close to getting him. Nick Cody's back on the market. So I think that's, that's it's year one. And even though this was an elite eight team, yes, this will be a disappointing year, but they just, they won't do that after year one, barring something catastrophic. And then two, I think they're wanting to hold this class together. So yeah. um, that's why Texas fans, yeah, I don't think it happens after this year. I think he's in for 2024, 25. Yeah. All right. Let's jump to TCU real quick because okay. we were ready, obviously, to do a podcast after their win over Houston. Yeah, that home. kind of will give us a little whiplash there. <laughs> An absolute thriller at home against Houston, a 68 to 67 win. Um, where they 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 steal the win and um, a really really impressive performance there, and then they come back and we were like hey, you know we're gonna record on Wednesday so on mm-hmm. Tuesday night I have on the TCU <laughs> Cincinnati game and you're like first of all the end of regulation was was chaos it was absolutely yeah. chaos missed free throws everywhere they end up going to overtime and then Cincinnati wins the game again at home Cincinnati is a much better team than they are on the road. Uh, so I will say Cincinnati's looked a lot better than I thought they would this season. Yeah. So Cincinnati uh, ends up getting the win, uh, drops TCU down to two and two. And the two losses are the Kansas loss that we've said they got screwed on and Cincinnati and overtime on the road. Yeah. Like we, it, to speak to like a quickly, a bigger point on the big 12, it's like, this is exactly what it was last year where every team. And I think Texas tech, Texas tech is the only undefeated team right now. Shout out to mm-hmm. Graham Castlin, but I think they're going to get a loss tonight against Houston on the road. Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to have a loss. Everybody's going to be like right there in the thick of it besides like, I guess Oklahoma state. And it's just going to be some constant jockeying. And I think TCU at the end of the day, even though they're two and two right now, I think we look back and they're going to be in the top five of this conference. Yeah. And that's going to be really good. That's a probably going to get them into like a top three, four seed in the tournament. Yeah, I think that last night was the first – the Cincinnati game was the first game where I saw a little bit of last year's TCU in a bad way come back. Mm-hmm. Um, they started the game – I think the stat was 10 of 12, and then they then they were up double digits, and I think they went on like an 0-8, 0-7 stretch where they just did not know how to get anything going. And it's the first time this year that I've seen that. Uh, granted, again, the Houston game was very was different, but that, I credit more to Houston on that. Yeah. Um, this was more of a game where I was like, okay, like, this is more of just them. Again, maybe it's the lack of a natural playmaker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in some situations, of course, because Jameer Nelson Jr. is kind of their only their only true point. Uh, but of course, he doesn't start, and so sometimes the minutes get shuffled around, and you know things get jumbled. But I still, I'm still very high on them, right? I think, like you mentioned, the Big 12 is just going to be like this this season. And I think that what they've shown, the disappoint, the disappointing part for me is that TCU led this entire game until the end, right? Yeah. And that's where, if you're if you're a TCU fan, that's where you're probably feeling a little bit concerned. Is that this should have been the game they killed off, yeah. where it was like they're up. I think. Let me see. Let me look back. 
They were up, up like eight and in, going into the last like ten minutes, I think. Or yes, nine. yeah, they were up. They were up seven. Yeah, so seven minutes, uh, just under seven minutes to go. They're up seven, and then all of a sudden it swings, and they kind of they never get a lead more than four basically until they obviously uh, Cincinnati eventually ties it, and then wins in overtime. So, again, if you're a TCU fan, that's kind of the next step you want to see is okay. We've seen Houston squash these teams, right? We've seen Houston put the foot on the neck and say, boom, this game's done, right? If you're if you're TCU. Okay, that's kind of the next step for this team. We know you can beat Houston. We know you can hang around with these teams, like Kansas, right? The game they should have, won, they probably should have won. Um, but we know you're in those games. But now it's a time where you can kind of put your foot down and say, "All right, we are a step better than Cincinnati, like they were for seventy percent of the game." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested. To get, I'm hoping to go to the game on Saturday against Iowa State because I think that's a good test, right? If they can come out and show a little bit of aggression after a loss, I think that'll be a good one. Uh, next week against Oklahoma State, perfect opportunity to do just that, right? You are a better team than Oklahoma State. Boom, foot on the neck. Let's see what happens. Um, so yeah, that was that was a Cincinnati one. If you want to, we can kind of balance off the Houston one. Yeah, because I thought that game, that game was a phenomenal performance from TCU. Like I was very much like that was for a lot of that game, it felt like Houston was trying to do the foot on the throat thing and TCU never went away. <laughs> That's that. Like yeah. Houston was hanging on to like four point leads, like the whole game yeah. and TCU just never backed down. It's incredible. Houston, um, speaking of them, their uh, Ken Palm rating, their like, I guess adjusted uh, efficiency or whatever yeah. has gone up, even though they've lost their last two games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, it's, yeah, it's, they're, it's nuts. They still look now. like a really good team. I think I think depth, we can talk about them in a bit. I think depth is going to be more of a concern for me. Yes. Um, I think that was a concern against TCU, but yeah, we can, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is. And that's why um, I, I called out Damian Dunn uh, last last podcast, and he came out at, with 17 points and kind of helped close the game. I did think it was kind of ill-advised, his attempt to. Yeah, I don't know why he had the ball at the last minute. Uh, the last shot there, but it is what it is. <laughs> but uh, at, at least they got something from him. That's big. Yeah. Um, you know, Tugler, the freshman, has been real good for them. I, I don't really know if they're ever going to be able to trust. I've never been high on Ramon Walker, never been high on really Malik yeah. Willis too much. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to get a ton out of them. But I, it's the number one defense in the country by a wide margin, and that's going to keep them in every game. The question is, do they have enough creation Mm-hmm. to get these wins and uh i i don't know i know you mentioned lj criers inefficiency only five points on one of two of 14 shooting yeah, with one so, yeah i've been i've been holding this take in uh for a while i i'm very underwhelmed by lj crier i don't i still i'm not willing to say that that was a bad pickup from them i think they needed shooting and they needed scoring Mm-hmm. I just don't think he fits with that team. Um, here's the reason why: he's not. The, he doesn't get in the paint. He does not drive the lane, like at all. He Jamal. You look at Jamal Shed. He drives the lane. He has something in mid range. LJ Cryer, for whatever reason, again, he's not the biggest guy, but he's he has some size. He's decently sized. He's not again. He's kind of a lanky guy, but he has some physicality to him to where he's able to do that. And I had a lot of when I was posting, I posted the last shot of the first half and it was like a dribble like they gave it to him and he kind of had the top of the key, kind of did a, um, a breakdown. Uh, Jawan Roberts set a screen 
And instead of trying to take something and get a better shot, he just jacked a three and it hit the backboard and it was the end of the regular or end of the, the half. And it was like, that's kind of him, you know, that's kind of his shot selection. I think that if I'm being honest, I think that's why Baylor probably wasn't too sad to see him leave. Cause I think like when that's your leading score, there are problems, right? There are problems with that kind of shot selection. I think that year that they didn't make that they, that they got hurt him and JTT got hurt. That was like the best role for him where it was like, he's like the third or fourth guy, right? Maybe second sometimes, but there's somebody like an Akinjo holding the ball. Mm-hmm. And the minutes that Houston played with him as point guard were not good, right? Well, Shed, Jamal those- Shed, Shed and Sharp got, had four fouls each, which held them under 30 minutes uh, right. on the court. And I, Damian Dunn, to his credit, gets yeah. the line eight times. Like, I was about to say, Damian Dunn, Damian Dunn is basically their point guard when Shed's not in the game now. Yeah. Like it can't, he's, Shakrier's not a playmaker and he's not somebody who, which is crazy because he wanted to leave Baylor to play point guard a little bit more. And he's just, that's just not his game. And I think that's okay, but that's going to be a little bit of a, of a thing to kind of monitor for me this year is like how he kind of flows in that team. It's, it's every year, every year we do this with Houston. And, but the good thing is now we're in the big 12. So now we should be able to really sift through it a little bit more, mm-hmm. but every year with Houston, it's like, are they the best team in the country? Because I feel like right. they have flaws, and I don't know. I don't. This doesn't feel like uh, the Baylor, you know, a national championship team, a team that's like a lock for the Final Four. Sure, sure, sure. But they're still like number one in the ratings. They're still one of the best teams in the country, and so um, I do think we figure this out fairly quickly because, like we said, if you have to get up off the mat in the Big Twelve. And Texas, we talked about them. Well, now Houston should beat Texas Tech at home, should beat UCF at home. And then they get like BYU, K-State, and Texas as the – like these next five games, if they're the best team in the country, why not go Mm 5-0? They don't – I mean, they don't play Baylor. They don't play Iowa State. Like they don't play Kansas. So I think this stretch will show us like can they put together a definitive run and say, all right, we're back at the top in a college basketball year where I, I still think they're one of the best teams, them, UConn, you know, if you want to throw Purdue in there or whatnot, but like sure. they are, they have it just show us now. So I think Houston, one interesting stat that I'm looking up right now is Houston's only lost. So they, they lost back-to-back conference games for the first time since 2021, um, which isn't the interesting stat that I was looking at. No, 2022, sorry. Um, which is not the interesting stat. The interesting stat after that was before that, when was the last time that they lost? And it was 2017 was the last time they lost back-to-back uh, conference games. So from 2017 to 2022, they have not lost back-to-back conference games. And then this was the only time since then, uh, the only the third time since 2017 that they've lost back-to-back, which is a stupid run. Because I think Kelvin Sampson got there in 2015. So the fact that he's held them there, to that standard, I know it's been the I know the AAC is not always the best, but I don't care. That's ridiculous. Um. All right. I want to talk about a team that I actually wasn't able to watch. Okay. But I want to give them a shout out. Well, I, that's not true. I watched a little bit of uh, their one over Charlotte. UTSA women's basketball has won yes. four in a row. Four and two. UTSA women's basketball. Um, they're back. Question mark. Question mark. Exclamation point. Yeah. Um, the win over Charlotte was the one for me because this Charlotte team is really, really, really. I was gonna solid. say that was a legitimately fantastic win. Um, I watched Charlotte beat North Texas 
on the women's side. And now mm-hmm. UTSA in overtime gets the 81 to 80 win over Charlotte. Um, double overtime, sorry. And I this team, like I, I always expect it to be, you know, Kira White and Sydney Love and and the guards, but Idaro Udo, six one freshman out of Plano, Texas. Mm-hmm. Scores 26 points on 9 of 16 shooting. Elisa Coleman, 12 points, 5 of 12 shooting. Um, this is, at some point, we have to give Karen Astner credit of, like, just producing bigs and, like, getting the bigs to produce. Like, yeah. those are two separate things here. And By the way, then then they then they come out and they slap box USF on, on, yeah. on Tuesday yeah. uh, by what, 20 or something like that? Yeah. Um, what did the score? I just had their, their uh, thing up, but yeah, this, they've beaten USF, Charlotte, um, yeah, 65, 42 over USF. Yeah. Uh, they've beaten FAU by 13, Wichita state by 14. So four straight for them. I think I don't think UAB off the top of my head is is that good. So if they get a win at UAB and then they got at SMU uh, coming up, mm-hmm. I mean, shout out to UTSA for figuring this yeah. out because I I don't want to say I had them I wrote them off, but I kind of did because we knew what their ceiling was, and I still think we kind of know what their ceiling is. But sure. that doesn't mean you can't win games. That doesn't mean you can't be competitive at the top of the American. Which we talked about it, the American. This year is pretty wide open. So throw your name in the hat. Beat Charlotte. If they beat North Texas, like that North Texas game becomes a bigger game in like a week or two. Um, They're going to be competitive at the top of the conference. Now it's just like where they finish. I don't know because I don't think – I don't think they can get into the top three like Mm -hmm. without um, Jordan Jenkins. But Mm -hmm. heck. Karen Aston's proven time and time again that she knows what she's doing and she's a great coach. So yeah, I was about to say it looks like I mean, if I had to guess, you know, we're not going to see Jordan Jenkins at 100% this year, if if at, if at all. And so I'm, you know, I think both of us are starting to evaluate them for what they are, right? And I still think it's a very good team. Early in the year that we were like, okay, once this team gets her back, and it's like, okay, she's still not back. It's like, okay, then yeah. evaluate them for the team that they are. But I think the benefit is that my expectations haven't dropped, right? And which is a really really good thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. Again, I still think this team is a team that's probably – I don't know if this can win the conference, right, in terms of the tournament, um, yeah. but I can see this team making it back to the semifinal like they did last year um, just because, oh. like, they can, touch, they can catch teams off guard. Yeah, also, I was wrong about UAB. UAB is 4-1 and one in conference. They're a good team, 13-4 okay. overall. So you have Charlotte, UAB, and Rice at 4-1, and one, and then North Texas, 3-1, and one, UTSA, 4-2. and two. That's the top okay. five in the conference right now. Okay, so there you go. Um, and yeah, somebody like Adara Udo, who's taking advantage, right? Karen Asson needs some bigs to, to take up the spot of her go-to player. And somebody like Adara, I don't know how much she expected her to play this year, but she's done well. <laughs> yep. Um, do you have anything else? I have a couple more. Well, well let's talk. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit on the, the TCU women. Yeah, um, sure. So yeah, this one came out earlier today. Uh, TCU, unfortunately, the women, they're going to have to forfeit or they're canceling, sorry, their their next two Big 12 games against Kansas State, uh, which they would have played tonight on Wednesday, and then this weekend against Iowa State. Due to a lack of player availability um, earlier in the week, they announced that uh, Jay Noens had torn her ACL, or uh, sorry, uh, 
suffered. Yes. Let me see. She has a statement right here. Torn ACL and meniscus yeah. and meniscus, uh, which in a non-contact drill, uh, injury, that's unfortunate. Um, she injured against Houston in their game against Houston on Saturday. Um, so yeah, that makes her, and of course the donor Prince is still dealing with the broken, broken finger. So she's been out indefinitely already. TCU has been a very short rotation and it's really unfortunate because this team has been really good so far. Granted, again, short rotation, I believe only eight players, six, seven players, I can't remember, are in double figures minutes-wise this year, um, averaging double minutes or averaging double figures in minutes. Um, and the kind of the sadder part is that they put out a call for tryouts about an hour ago on social media because they need bodies. And I think there is something there is there are other injuries, I think, on the team because there are 14 players listed. But yeah. only eight, roughly eight, have played this year. And you lose two of those, obviously that's just six. And so, again, I think there are more injuries because the I, the, the obvious thing is like, we'll just play some of the players who haven't played. Who cares? They're college play, whatever. So, you know, obviously players, if they're not if they're not contrib- big contributors, there's not going to be a big news release about them being hurt. So, again, it's unfortunate because this team still – Despite it all, they're fourteen and four, right? This team's this team was a good team that was contending in the Big Twelve. Um, so yeah, uh, it's really unfortunate. So TC, those games will go down as forfeits in the Big Twelve schedule. I don't think this, for whatever metric, I guess whatever postseason potential, this won't affect their overall record. What I've what I've read, um, but in the Big Twelve, of course, this will hurt their standings, which will then kind of, you know, determine their tournament seating uh, in yeah. the conference tournament. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, just unfortunate, but because yeah, this was a really, really good year for for Mark Campbell in his first season. Yeah, I, I think we basically have to end the year here. I think this is like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I for us, for us, obviously. No, yeah, think, no, yeah, yeah. I get you. But like this is, if we, I think we we close the book here on TCU because it's it's hard to judge them after this. You can't judge them from this point on. Like that's two of their three best players, um, yeah. pretty much. I mean, between Owens and and Prince. Uh, so they'll still have Madison Connor, but we've seen uh, this team without Prince is, is a shell of itself. So mm-hmm. obviously as time goes on, you want to get in the position that Texas is in where you lose a star player and you're still competitive. Uh, TCU is not at that point right now. And that's fine because this is his first year. This is the first step where you get two players that are integral to your success and you ride them and you try to help, you know, help develop everybody else around them. But ultimately it's, it's on their shoulders. Those two mm-hmm. players, one goes down. You're not as good. I, I, another key rotation player goes down. That's not good. Uh, Breon White is another one that I mentioned. Uh, she hasn't played since December, so she's been out uh, for a month now. But like there, are, like you said, there are more injuries. There's more uh, players that um, aren't able to help or contribute, and they're going to be down to at most just from looking at the roster, like eight scholarship players available and that's just off me just looking at it obviously i'm not in the building but yeah i think you take it for what it is now it's it's fine on espn i have the uh standings up on the big 12 and they already put their two losses in at one and six so a little little harsh a little i was about to say damn they didn't even even let the day go by (laughs) a little harsh but um uh, yeah regardless i think like you said doesn't count like their overall record in terms of uh, right and stuff so they're still 14 and 4 but um yeah i 14 and 4 season and really they were undefeated for a while uh we know what connor and prince can do i think we know tcu made the right hire and i think 
we know TCU's in a good spot moving forward. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the last thing I, I have on, on TCU. By the way, now. a little bit of uh, – I was listening to the women's broadcast, and I think Melissa Trebwasser, um, who does the, the Frogs Insider podcast for us, um, she, she mentioned this, which I thought was really interesting. So the two most followed athletes, not women's athletes, athletes at TCU on social media are Sedona Prince and Jaden Owens, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Well, I knew Prince did the the TikTok stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Jaden Owens is on Instagram as well. Yeah. And you, yeah. and by the way, you know who they're adding this offseason? Oh, Cavender. Haley Cavender. Yeah. TCU all of a sudden is like a and by the way, Haley Cavender is the good one, the one that actually plays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she was the other one that doesn't. Um, There's a reason she came back, right? And the other one yeah, didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Haley Cavender is the one that averages like 16. Like she can actually play. Um, yeah, the other Cavender didn't want to go play at uh, southeastern Louisiana. Yeah, for, yeah, for yeah something like that. So, but point is, she's one of the biggest social media influencers in yeah. general, regardless of even like a sports athlete. So, like. It's interesting that, like, I don't know, is that – I feel like that's – and they're all transfers. So it's like, is that part of Mark Campbell's pitch? Is that – I don't – again, I don't know. Is there an NIL opportunity there that makes them marketable like that? I don't know. It's just very interesting that those three transfers are yeah. three of the most followed athletes uh, in the yeah. sport. I, I I think there has to – if you're Campbell, if you – even if you weren't, I yeah. think now you are as a coach. You're like – you can make a recruiting pitch in terms of – we have been able because the NIL opportunities of these three players, whether you're in control of it or not, I think you can say we enable it, we help support it, you know, right. we are in favor of it, all of those things. Whereas some coaches maybe don't want uh, that much attention or whatnot sure, on the team. Sure. So, um, I do think that's an interesting observation. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I remember I, I heard that on the broadcast and I was like, aren't they bringing in Haley Cavender too? So I don't know. Just an interesting tidbit to kind of keep forward as. As Mark Campbell's tenure goes on. Yeah. Um, last thing, Houston did. Uh, Houston women they do, do deserve some credit here for beating uh, TCU when they were before yeah. all this this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Houston did win the game by uh, eleven, which is is a good showing from them. That's now two wins for them, putting them at two and three on the year. I was yep. concerned they weren't going to get to like three wins on the year, so to get two. Um, before another tough stretch of like West Virginia and Oklahoma yeah. and Tech, um, is good. So I, you know, maybe they get to if they can get to four or five wins, Houston women's that's awesome in oh, conference. Yeah. Uh, your first year taking the step up, you know, you take what you can get. Um, last thing, last thing I have is a Southland men's update. We okay. need a we need a, a graphic or a soundboard. A little bell um, or something yeah. for Southland talk. <laughs> the Southland Conference. Um, I thought I had a tab, tab open on the standings. But um, here it is. So I watched McNeese play Lamar. Okay. McNeese is the best team in the conference. I don't think anybody who's been paying attention to college basketball knows Will Wade's over there. Yep. Um, he has McNeese rolling. They beat like Michigan and they're a like, bunch of they're like other. thirteen and two or something, right? Aren't they? Yeah, fifteen and two. Um, they're, if yeah, they're going to be a tough out. So they're four and zero right now. This game was in Lake Charles, so a road game for Lamar. But I did leave the game saying, "All right, Lamar, I see it. Mm-hmm. I, I see the progress that we've been talking about the entire year. You know, uh, and of course." Corpus Christi three and one, Lamar three and one, 
Um, and those are the two teams that we have that are competitive right now in the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Commerce and UIW 0-3, uh, Houston Christian uh, 1-3. So Lamar and a Corpus Christi are, are here. And I don't think they can beat McNeese, at least not in like over the course of the season. Yeah. All we're worried about here is obviously if you can't win the regular season conference, you want to win the conference tournament. Get the one game, yeah. And Lamar, based on what I saw last night, based on what we've we've talked about throughout the year, I think Lamar has a legitimate shot to like if they play again against McNeese on a neutral site, it wouldn't shock me if they won that game. Now they end up losing by (laughs) someone's gonna go look at score and they lost by 20, yes. At halftime, it was a competitive game. It was tied at 35 apiece, I believe, when I was when I was watching. And then uh, McNeese, mm. it was like 41-35 at half. But yeah. this, like Chris Pryor, 19 points. Uh, we knew he was going to be a huge piece for them. Um, B.B. Knight, who I, I, I'll admit I didn't know much about him going into this game. I thought he was effective, 13 points. So to match up with the McNeese team that has a lot of transfers from like P5 schools, a lot of players like a Shahada Wells we've talked about shout out to Shahada Wells by the way Shahada mm-hmm. Wells and PJ Haggerty we need, a, we need a team of underrated Texas players that went yes. un, that went some random place and is balling yes. out Shahada Wells and PJ Haggerty are on that team because Shahada Wells is going to win player of the player of the year in the Southland I was about to say yeah and honestly PJ Haggerty is making a case for that in the AAC yeah. <laughs> I mean he'll be he could be very very well first team all conference so yeah um but yeah, Alvin Brooks has them playing well. Uh, I wanted to give him a shout out. Top 200 in defense right now um, in the country. Fourth in both offense and defense in uh, the Southland. So they're playing good basketball. Anal Corpus Christi, I did not get a chance to watch, but they did beat Southeastern by five, uh, improving to three and one in the conference. They have Nichols, and then they get to play McNeese at home on the 22nd. So Anal Corpus Christi versus McNeese at home. Uh, on the 22nd we'll see how that goes but there is your southland update shout out to corpus christi and uh lamar for for fighting there you go i do want to do actually real quick just oh, check lamar women's basketball okay just check it out I we, haven't, we haven't dipped into the southland on the women's side yet we dipped into lamar yeah lamar they won again <laughs> yes won again. uh four and oh Four zero now. Beat Nichols okay. by three. By the way, Justin Carter has a piece up on on the Islanders because uh, Anon Corpus Christi's doing the damn thing again. So, yeah, again. Uh, he went into that a uh, little bit on on TechSoba.com. Lamar and Anon Corpus Christi, both men's and women's side, are uh, beating, uh, Lamar and beating right now in, in Southland. Yeah, so they're doing it for us. Um, so shout out to those teams. We'll uh, see if we can uh, get our eyes on them um, this coming week. Yep. A little bit as well. All right. Um, yeah, because Southeastern, I've mentioned this before, Southeastern on the women's side is a really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched mm-hmm. them play with LSU for a bit. They, they can play. So, that, that again, top three in, on the women's side, Lamar, Southeastern, and Corpus Christi. Um, yeah, there's your Southland cool. update. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. North Texas plays tonight. Um North Texas plays SMU, I think, in a week. Next week. Nick, yeah, Nick, I'm going to try to be at that game because that game should be a banger. Yeah. And then, obviously, there's just there's Big 12 games every night we could talk about. I was about, about to say, we can't rattle off the Big 12 because no. we can just go – we have to every go literally night. every game. <laughs> every night. So, yeah, Big 12. Unless you're playing Oklahoma State, basically, or West Virginia. Like, it's a big game. 
Well, hey, don't tell that to Texas, all right? Fair enough. <laughs> don't tell that to Texas. Don't say it's not a big game for for them, all right? <laughs> They're fighting. Um, nothing. I'm in conference with USA. They haven't really played enough games. Nobody's played over three. Sam Houston's 3-0. and UTEP yeah. is 0-2. Uh, we'll, we'll start. But the thing is, no, yeah, they haven't even played started yet because uh, – no, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the uh, the, the WAC. But, yeah, oh, so we'll, we'll continue to monitor uh, those two, and we'll probably talk about them at some point. But if UTEP doesn't get it turned around, we'll have some good conversations there. Um, but, yeah, there you go. That's all we got for you all today. I uh, hope you all enjoyed the episode. Uh, leave a like, comment, share, subscribe. And uh, y'all stay warm out there as we try to get through this month of January. Yeah.